Hi, Jamie. Hi, Matt. What's what's happening? Well, it's the tenth podcast. We are in double figures this time. Not just faking. We are definitely in double figures. We have thousands of listeners now, so that this is this is like pressure, Jamie. Pressure. Oh God. Okay, here we go. The Interplanetary Podcast: the exploration of space for the benefit of all mankind. Your hosts here in London, Matthew Russell and Jamie Franklin. The Interplanetary Podcast, putting the ace back, back in space. space. It's been an exciting week. And, oh my um, God, has it? I think we should start off by talking about China. So uh, Shenzhou 11... Turns back to Earth in a very Hollywood style. Yeah, back on Friday. So the day before yesterday. Welcome back. And as per usual, it landed in Inner Mongolia. Of course. Who wants to land in outer these days? <laughs> you know? uh, and of course, just, uh, just, just to give this a bit of background, Shenzhou is the type of spacecraft that Sandra Bullock returned to Earth in in, in the film Gravity. Yeah, absolutely. And, she, and she'd come down from the Tiangong 1. But these guys have come down from the Changong 2. Well, it makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. So Changong 1 is apparently still sort of just about to burn up in the atmosphere. So Changong 2 is the latest uh, Chinese space station... And these these two Taikonauts had been up there for thirty days. So Hai Peng and Dong, so they've been inside it for a month in the experiment in quote unquote experiment cabin. Wow. Yes. That's a, that's long. Yeah. Well, it, it's about the kind of maximum stay that you can currently have on that particular station. I wonder if they had that curtain that we were talking about in the last podcast to go to the toilet. Almost certainly, they must have taken toilets into consideration. Yeah. That's true. So, yeah, Haipeng and Dong, these two Taikonauts, and, and while they're up there, did you see that one where they released a small satellite into space? I did. The Bang Zheng 2. Your accent is getting better. That's, that was good. I think it is. That was good. It's good. Yeah. And uh, a lot of Twitter users called it a selfie stick mm. satellite. Not Because sh- it was just literally high-resolution camera that sort of can take pictures of the Taikong 2. Yeah, I think it was a bit cruel to call it a selfie stick because that's going to make people hate it. Um, but a nice letter read out by Vice Premier Zhao Goili, I hope I pronounced that right, yeah, at the Space sense. Flight sense. Control Centre in Beijing said, it's the newest achievement of Chinese people in climbing to the peak of the world. Nice. Yes. They're really going for it, aren't they? Yeah. As the uh, Huang Weifen, the Deputy Chief Designer at the Astronaut Centre of China, said... The success of the mission demonstrates that China has acquired the capability to support long stays in space by Did he have that accent? No, he actually said it like this. The success of the mission demonstrates that China has acquired the capability to support long stays in space by astronauts. (laughs) Um, I'm trying to figure out if that's Roger Moore or Michael Caine. No, it's Sean Connery. It's, It's Sean Connery when he's playing a foreigner. Like in, oh, right. like, like in the hunt for it's Red Sean October. Connery when he's playing Matt Russell from the Interplanetary Podcast, <laughs> in, which in, is scarily, in, scarily accurate. In in the life of Matt Russell and Jamie Franklin, the yeah, film, exactly. The film, which apparently <laughs> is le- which will be less boring than Arrival, but only oh, yeah. just. Oh, only just. Yeah, so disappointed. Arrival, <laughs> oh, well, as I'm we s- said, I might have to go and see it again, but. Oh, I'm going to go see it, and then I'm going to pass judgment. I'm, I'm not yeah, going to pass judgment. Yeah, that's it. That's so what you should it. do. Yeah, that's yeah, what you yeah. should do. So Shenzhou 11 mm. 
well, it's uh, it's a long line of Shenzhou's that have carried um, people up into space. It, I think Shenzhou one was in nineteen ninety nine. Okay, uh, and it was an uncrewed one. But Shenzhou five was in October two two thousand and three, and was the first crewed space flight that uh, China nice. did. And that was for twenty one hours in orbit. Uh, and the Shenzhou ten. The last one before this one was uh, in 2013, so they've been they've, they haven't sent people into space for a yeah, while. Yeah, this has been quite a while. So uh, yeah, Shenzhou 11, uh, very much like the Russian Soyuz capsule, as mm. featured, uh, as mentioned, really in the in the in Gravity, the fact that she was able to fly it, which which in reality I'm sure she wouldn't be able to, but uh, never mind. Yeah, uh, um, I can hear Sandra Bullock shouting slander all yeah. the way from America. <laughs> I reckon Sandra Bullock definitely can't fly a Shenzhou. Well, well, one of the things they did just before they left yeah. to, to uh, uh, left their thirty day was um, greet the ESA astronaut Thomas Pesquet from from the station. So they sent a little video message. Nice little message. Yeah, and it, that's a, that's a little YouTube clip that's worth watching. It's really quite cute, in fact. Doesn't it make your heart warm that with everything going on in the world at the moment? that there are some fields that you, you just you can never see there being anything other than love and respect. Do you know what I mean? The reason why they did this is because um, Thomas Pesquet had sent a cheesecake to them. Yes, I read about that. So, that must have been some cheesecake. Yeah, how cool is that? Do you reckon we can get one sent to our head office? Yeah, I don't see why not. Yeah. We've got a nice quote here as well from the ESA's Director of Human Spaceflight, Mr David Parker, saying, Human spaceflight uh, provides many opportunities to increase international cooperation and the interaction between the Astronaut Centre of China and the European Astronaut Centre is already creating positive experiences on which to build for the future, which is just what we were saying. It's, it's, It's really great that politics aside, this doesn't seem to blur the lines it's 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 kind of a separate thing which is great as it should be well yes now notice that they didn't mention the americans which will lead us on to our next subject for this podcast which is we're going back to last week actually where we're going to talk uh, i know we're we're not going to talk about dt are we we're going to talk about the great dt donald trump (laughs) when you say great (laughs) <laughs> i'll stop there well, i might be assassinated this could this could go either way but uh, there's been a lot of debating on the internet which is, which is why i thought i'd bring it back up again yeah so uh one of the one of the hilarious things i thought was that um donald trump has a, a close relationship with newt gingrich now hmm. he's not that famous over here other than for appearing in lots of family guy jokes he always seems to be the butt of quite a few of those jokes. So I can only assume he's a pretty right-wing TV kind of personality. I was going to say, why does that surprise me that it's one of Donald Trump's mates? That yes. he gets the mickey taken out of him on Family Guy. But uh, Gingrich is, is known for his long-time space advocacy. And he and is always known for having a more u- ambitious US space effort. Both okay. public and private. So he's not, he's, he's always been up for openly advocating colonising the moon and making it a 51st state of America. <laughs> Unbelievably. <laughs> so, right, OK. And he's, and he's, it sounds right up Trump Street. Exactly. So I think that in itself 
does kind of indicate that uh, Trump is definitely going to go down the um, crew type of route and possibly it looks like we are going to see a shift to the moon. Absolutely. I mean, I think that he, as we spoke about on the last podcast, he definitely wants uh, to have these victories um, under his wing that people can say, yeah, you know, Trump beat uh, these other countries um, into this colonisation, etc., well, it would yeah. be uh, something that he would love to do. He's such a person that would love that whole national prestige and US, US exceptionalism. Absolutely. R- rather than just the technological advance that uh, space makes. Yeah. So, and, and, and he's sort of said as much in lots of different speeches over the years. Well, it seems like he's, he's happy to put the cash up. Yeah, which uh, I think we should mention how this will affect Musk. And so I, yeah. I dug up a few old interviews. So on the 4th of November, I quote, I feel a bit stronger that he is not the right guy. He doesn't seem to have the sort of character that reflects well on the United States. Basically, Musk does not want Trump in charge. No. Uh, obviously, Musk is very, very much a uh, climate change advocate and, and is going out there giving lots and lots of different speeches about how we really must make a, a, a change to the way that we behave. And yeah. um, Trump is completely different, mm. which is the most worrying thing. And as we said on the last pop- podcast, one of the things that does come up time and time again in the uh, in the discussions on the internet is that the earth sciences are going to be decimated by Trump's regime, almost certainly. Because yeah. it's like, yeah. and just at the very, very worst time, just when we need to learn more about the Earth's environment and and how that's going to affect us moving forward, he's going to basically slash those budgets. It's a scary time. I think everybody's just kind of waiting because so much is happening every day until he's getting in charge. No one's really going to know. I mean, you know, we've still got another few months before he's actually going to be able to do anything. Let's hope it's uh, not as bad as what we all think. Weirdly, it's in terms of the new space camp, it does seem quite split about the support for Trump. So Musk is obviously yeah. sitting on the not a supporter of Trump. And I wonder how that will go. I, want, I mean, I would have thought that Musk is a shrewd enough operator to get on side. But uh, Bijlow of the inflatable, yes. inflatable Habitat's <clears throat> fame... Robert Bijlow has been a Trump advocate all along. So he said, I propose that NASA should have, beginning in fiscal year 2019, an annual budget equal to at least 1%, which is, by the way, double what it is at the moment. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and he wants to push to the moon, basically. And he quotes, what this country needs is an inspirational space program, and I'll bet that Donald Trump could do it. So now, that, if that's not, yeah, uh, that's, that's, that's going to stoke the fire, isn't it? Uh, and he says, the decisions made in the next couple of years will shape the rest of human spaceflight for decades to come. How NASA transitions out of low Earth orbit, affecting costs and commercial markets, is arguably the most important decision that impacts progress for human spaceflight. So he's very much behind that kind of Trump using it as a kind of way, a stepping stone into sort of more uh, vainglorious enterprises like setting up moon colonies and and uh, turning the moon into a 51st state of america <laughs> it's interesting isn't it it makes me sort of think it's that thing like when you're at school and someone says oh i, 
I bet you wouldn't do that. You just haven't got the guts, you know? And you're like, yeah, yeah, I would. Of course I would. Look, watch me. I'll bloody do it. (laughs) And one of the things that actually, um, again, if you follow the money, uh, Trump has made it his policy that he's going to slash spending and cut taxes. Now, under that kind of uh, always, basically, NASA, NASA funding has followed very closely the funding of everything else on a kind of, uh, you know, national scale. Yeah. So undoubtedly uh, NASA is going to be facing some budget cuts. And I would say that under budget cuts, it's going to be harder and harder for NASA to even do anything, let alone, you know, going to the moon, going to Mars, whatever. Yeah. So I think I think they are worried about that. I think SLS will probably survive because it mm. has a sort of, uh, very cross Congress support. Yes. So uh, and 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 it could be used to go to the moon without too much significant disruption. So perhaps SLS will be okay, um, but it's not. You know, that's not a guarantee. But the asteroid redirect mission is, I would say, is pretty much doomed. There's no way. Uh, I'm saying that. I'm going to go. Yeah. I'm going to put a bet on that. That is here we not, go. It's not going to happen. You heard it here first, people. Yeah, so I think the budgetary big picture looks grim, uh, but maybe we're going to see a switch from Moon to Mars. But maybe not. Maybe he will go. Maybe he will fall in line behind Musk and people like that, and and push for push for the push for Mars instead of Moon. What's happening with uh, Mission Proxima? Uh, amongst all the several launches this this week, which we'll yeah. go on to a bit later on, but uh, yeah, the the fiftieth mission to the ISS. This was. Awesome. And it's, uh, yeah, so uh, Thomas Pasquet is part of the ESA mission to uh, the ISS this time round. So he's kind of like the uh, French equivalent of um, Tim Peake. Yeah. And uh, we mentioned him last post- podcast, of course, because he was doing that uh, ceremony, etc. But yes, he's uh, he's flown up to the International Space Station. And I actually stayed up last night and watched... Watched him egress into the international Aha, space station. How was that? <laughs> it was ace. Awesome. Because it, it was just after the Atlas V launch as well, so it was, both those things were live on NASA TV. Last so night, he's so. gone up with. So it's the second flight for Russian cosmonaut Oleg Novitsky, yes. and the third for Peggy Whitson. Yeah, I, I really want to talk about Peggy Whitson because I think she's proper legendary. So they flew up on Thursday and have spent a couple of days chasing down the International Space Station. 34 times orbiting Earth before they get to the space station. They're going quite fast, and they've got to get up to 28,000 kilometres an hour to get there. Yeah. In a, in, a, in a spacecraft the size of a car, so it's kind of like going on a sort of two-day drive. And you know how boring is driving? Like, going down to Cornwall, it's only five hours, and that, that almost does me. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's pretty exciting. Uh, if someone said to me, look, before we go on holiday, we're going to have to... Before we get there, we're going to have to go orbit the Earth 34 times. You you wouldn't be like, not another light show of the Aurora. And and going, do do you mind if you go into the the other module, please? Matt, don't say hand pump again. (laughs) So um, (laughs) (laughs) there's no internet and there's no satellite phones, but they can occasionally radio down to the ground at regular intervals. No internet? How are they going to put their pictures on Instagram? Oh, no, it's just so... So, yeah, we we don't get any tweets often when they're in that bit. Boring. So, yeah, last night they managed to um, link up 260 miles above the Earth. 
Yeah. And, um, yeah, and it's, this is the 50th mission to the ISS. Uh, and, yes, astronaut Peggy Whitson. Let's, let's talk about her. So she'll be Absolutely. the oldest woman in space because she turns 57 on this mission. Awesome. In February, when she takes command of the ISS, yeah. she will be the first woman to have commanded it twice. That's She's pretty also, cool. by the way, the first woman to command the ISS back in 2009. So she's beating her own records. And so she's been to the International Space Station in 2002, 2007 and 2008. And in that last mission, the Soyuz on the way back down <laughs> malfunctioned and it tumbled through the atmosphere. Blimey. With the, pro- with the propulsion module still attached. So that didn't... You, when uh, Tim Peake said it literally blows apart, it didn't blow apart that time. Uh, 8G was the forces on that particular thing. So that was pretty... And she says, I guess the old pilot's saying of any landing you walk away from was a good one probably applies here. Sorry about that, Peggy. That accent was... is not endorsed by me. (laughs) Uh, So... (laughs) uh, She's also been the head of the astronaut office at NASA's Johnson Space Centre. So she's the only woman to ever have done that as well. And, uh, And... that's a prestigious uh, bunch of people like Alan Shepard and, and John Young, by the way, have, have uh, held that post. So it's a pretty pretty awesome post to hold. You, you, are you forgetting Decky Slayton? I am forgetting Decky Slayton. Never forget Decky. Um, <laughs> well, it's a bit like Dre. You can't, <laughs> talk, about, you can't talk about the Johnson Space Centre and forget about Decky. Oh, that's brilliant. Uh, although I think it's pronounced Deke. Deke Slayton. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Deke. I don't know. I just don't know. Anyway, she was uh, she was born in rural Iowa in a small town near Missouri. I love the word Missouri. Just like Slipknot. They're from Iowa. Are they really? Yeah. She's, she's definitely not. Are you like sure? Slipknot. Maybe she started <laughs> off, that's how she started off, just writing, she knows writing metal songs with them. I wonder if she knows any of them. She sold chickens on the seashore. Yeah. She sold chickens to pay for a pilot's license. How cool that, is that? That's incredible. She sold chickens to pay for her pilot's license. That doesn't seem right, does it? No. That's brilliant. Uh, so, uh, and she set up a special Tumblr page to um, highlight her team of people that look after her that, that she calls the NASA Village. Oh, wow. Okay. Of the, the trainers and technicians. And actually, that, that Tumblr page is absolutely genius. It sort of gets all those people that you never read about and shows what they do. And it's incredible. What a brilliant page that is. So she's she's very uh, humble. See, I that love respect. that. That's just like when you go and see a massive band and they they thank the crew, like the sound guy and the backline technician. That's brilliant. Fair yeah, play. Yeah, that's brilliant. And, uh, yeah, so on her way to becoming an astronaut, she's had lots of people to... That, that were there thinking that really she shouldn't be doing that. Hmm. Uh, Whitson um, worked with uh, the scientist James Van Allen. Now, Van uh-huh. Allen is the, the, the person of this discoverer of the Van Allen belts, which yeah. everyone goes on about, which is very important in terms of space travel, particularly to the moon, because you've got to go through them, and it's uh, obviously radiation central. Yeah. So, yeah, so... And he tried to dissuade her from becoming an astronaut. Blimey. <laughs> and then when she studied at Rice University, doing her postdoctoral fellowship, uh, she was also tried her. Um, she was also tried to be discouraged there as well. It seems very sexist. Am I right? 
I don't think it was about sexism. I think it's just the fact that she was such a talented scientist that they thought that really her trying to be a, a, an astronaut was was a waste of her talents mm. and that she might not make it. Because, you know, the, the chances of becoming an astronaut are really, really slim, yeah. even when you sort of take that kind of route. But she, she's gone along with it and carried well, on she's doing stuck it. with it. Yeah, she absolutely has. And she, there's a brilliant YouTube clip of something like 10 Things You Didn't Know About um, Wits. And, and, um, that's, and so she talks through those. And the last one that she mentions is the fact that she's obsessed with gardening and landscaping. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> and, and she reckons she's very introverted as well. So she doesn't like actually all the attention. She just likes to be on her own. Ah, well, I think she's brilliant. Yeah, no, I mean, what, what, so what a fantastic person. The oldest woman in space. We should send her a rare plant <clears throat> from the UK, Matt. Oh, my She'd God, love that's that. an ace idea. Yeah, no, brilliant. I wonder if you can do so, that these days. Yeah, I'm going to do it. <clears throat> let's do it. Let's look into it. Let's do it. Now, let's talk about the other two. So, Novitsky, Oleg. Oh, yeah. Uh, said he'd take the flag of Belarus with him. Of course. Yes. And, uh, and a small flag of the Zepspashny Brothers Circus. Easy for you to say. The Zeps Bash, the Zapashny Brothers Circus. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, yeah, and Pesquet intends to give a tribute to his devotion to judo, and he's going to talk to children about the role of martial arts in his life. There we go. That's one I don't think the uh, space station has seen. And he's hoping for a Christmas present that one of the freighter uh, journeys, either probably a SpaceX or a, or a Cygnus. Uh, will will be carrying a saxophone at sort of Christmas time because he's a sax player, and so it, yeah, it'll, they'll end up being a saxophone on the space station if that is the case. Chris Hadfield is looking nervous. <laughs> yeah. He's like, hang on, no one can, no one can rock the space station like me. And they shall be eating thirty dishes, including lobster, veal cheeks, and several delectable desserts from renowned French Michelin chef. To the ISS. Blimey. So the, yeah, so French Michelin chefs have been cooking lovely food for them. Well, I'll tell you what, if you had so to go, if you had to go on EasyJet to the space station, you'd be very surprised, wouldn't you, at the food? Mm. Well, apparently shrimp cocktail, tortillas and macaroni and cheese are reportedly the crew favourites. Ah, oh, yes. <laughs> Love mac and cheese. So those, those three come back on May the 15th. May the aboard 15th. their MSO3. Well, bon voyage, awesome crew. Bon voyage. So yeah, well, let's we'll watch that uh, particular fiftieth mission. Now, Matt, we've we've um, we've been very positive so far in this podcast, and and I think it's something that we need to change with this next. Well, actually, it, maybe it is positive, but let's talk about our mate uh, Stephen Hawking, yes. the great Professor Hawking. Uh, Obviously, he's been in the news this week warning that humanity has less than a thousand years left on Earth and that the way out of that is uh, is, is going into space and, um, you know, inhabiting inhabiting other planets such as Mars. So what, yes, what's, well, your take? what's your take on this? Well, he's banged on about this quite a bit, actually, I think. Yeah, it's not uh, the first actually, time, is it? I, no, it's not the first time. I think the human race has no future if it doesn't go to space. Is that a good enough impression? Uh, uh, no that... comment. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> uh, 
I believe that life on Earth is at an ever-increasing risk of being wiped out by a disaster, such as a sudden nuclear war, a genetically engineered virus, or other dangers. So it's not. This isn't just about asteroid strike, which is normally the one that comes up. Yeah, it's about it's about everything. It's about basically trying to navigate through uh, technological disaster, or you know, or uh, or just homegrown e- ecological disaster. Sort of well, it so, seems it seems timely considering who's got potential hold of the nuclear codes now. Although I did listen to exactly. a podcast yesterday where two army officers from the American army were, were talking about how it's not that easy for, for Trump to say, go to his office and hit a big red button. He has to go and find a specific person who has this what they call football and they have to be the one to do it. If this action is not moral, then they have the absolute right to refuse. So I don't think it's as easy as everyone uh, suspects. Well, no, look, it's far from ideal having a <laughs> narcissist <Yeah. laughs> with it, with essentially his finger on the button, even though there are obviously checks and balances. But anyway, back to Hawking. Yeah. Poor old Hawking. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he has banged on about this because he's gone... In 2014, he was going on about how artificial intelligence could spell the end of the human race. Mm. And I, actually, I don't see how going to another planet stops that. Yeah. Because I don't think we can get to another planet without artificial intelligence. I think that's part of the um, convergence of technologies that will actually get us out there. But absolutely, hey, in fact, in fact, if we travel to the stars, it's highly unlikely we'll send our organic selves. We'll undoubtedly send robotic in, uh, artificial intelligence at least first, if not the only thing that we'll ever send out of the solar system. Yeah, that's true. So yeah. He he uh, finished his uh, on a slightly more positive note. He finished with uh, the the phrase: "Remember to look up at the stars and not down at your feet. Try to make sense of what you see. Wonder about what makes the universe exist. Be curious. However difficult life may seem, there is always something you can do and succeed at. It matters that you don't just give up." See, that's a brilliant quote. It's, it's, it's fab. And I do, yeah, let's face it, I, I love Stephen Hawking. In fact, I'm going to see him at the South Bank in, in January. Ah, can James. I come? You can try. What do you mean you can try? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> what, is it sold I out already? Give, I, oh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's sold out. I got given tickets. This is, I, I should have mentioned This is a disgrace. <laughs> yeah, you should have mentioned me. Sorry, sorry. Listeners, don't um, be angry. Don't be angry by Matt's actions. You know, just remember to look up at the stars. <laughs> oh god! Oh man! It's all right. I, I mean, feel, you know, I'm I only, feel really I'm good, only your yeah. partner in crime. I mean, I mean, why would you yeah. invite me to something like a Hawkins speech? I mean, well, I don't know because you've never really sort of said anything about how you like him. In other news, Matt, what's been going on? In other on? news, I, I, I just thought I'd just let, let's quickly do this one because I thought it was very funny. A scientist yeah. has put forward the extraordinary idea that one of the reasons we haven't found alien life yet is because the universe is in fact an alien. <laughs> Brilliant. Caleb Schorf, director of astrobiology at Columbia University, so he's not he's not an idiot. This guy has postured the theory that perhaps the universe is in fact the brain of a hyper advanced alien race. Yeah. And actually, the thing that swings swings it for me is that he says the astonishing idea that an alien species could become so advanced that it would be indistinguishable from physics itself. Now that actually, I suppose. 
could ring true. It, it actually goes a little bit back to the simulation. Well, this is the thing. Whoever's controlling yeah. the simulation is the universe, aren't they? So, for us. Yeah, it's that thing of, you know, our brains aren't developed enough to to even comprehend even any of that. Um, you know, I mean, Ron L. Hubbard wasn't an idiot, was he? But no. let's... Uh, Let's move on. Let's move on from that interesting theory. <laughs> so, to finish up, let's do. Been a very exciting uh, week for space yeah. launches. So, just after the last podcast, uh, the uh, Chinese were in action yet again with a Long March Two D this time. Get in on November the twelfth, and they launched a weather satellite. Uh, and weather satellite seems to be the theme for this for this week. <clears throat> uh, we also had obviously the Soyuz launch with the ISS crew. Everywhere you go, you always take the weather satellite with you. And that's Long March 2. Uh, there we go. That's the theme tune. <laughs> I, I, I didn't, I didn't realise it rhymed. I should have just sort of chipped in there. Uh, Ariane 5 rumbled off uh, the, uh, from South America with a quadruplet of Galileo, Galileo satellite. So... This I tell you what the pictures are incredible. I think these are the best pictures of they Ariane are five awesome. I'm on. looking at them right they now. Are. Wow, yeah, amazing. And the pictures of the uh, of the four satellites bolted into the fairing as well. It they look it looks insane how they how they're mounted. So um, this one's a really good one. So on November the seventeenth. So the Galileo satellites are part of the European GPS system. Yeah. And this was like, you know, they're phenomenally important. And to get four up in one go. Uh, so it's flying in the ES configuration only for the sixth time. Okay. It's because these Galileo satellites are so important. They were worried that if Soyuz, for some reason, got um, grounded yeah. for some, you know, because it was had some technical difficulties, that they, that they wanted to remain on schedule. So they made sure that Ariane 5 could do the job as well. So that has taken that's that has actually been a really really hard process to get Ariane five capable to launch these Galileo satellites. Yeah, right. First of all, the uh, the the delivery, the EPS, which is the sort of last stage that takes them up. Yeah. Um, uh, sort of went into your favourite, the graveyard. Oh orbit. yes. I mean, uh, and who the, said who said yeah. space has to be depressing? <laughs> and the Galileo, the Galileo satellites are uh, initially placed into graveyard orbit as well yeah. so that they can check that they're working properly uh, and um, uh, which is just below the 23,000 kilometre operational orbit of the constellation Blimey. it's quite amazing isn't it uh, and, and that's done so that um, if there are any kind of problems with the satellites that they end up in a graveyard orbit and not in the way of the constellation of working satellites. Do you know what we should, because do, you know what we should do, Matt? In, in, I mean, I don't know when, but we should do a, a section in, in a podcast, or even, in fact, a whole podcast on satellites. How they, oh, yeah, how no, they work, how orbits work, why they don't crash into each other. I think that's something that I'd like to know more about. Yeah, and actually, I, I spotted something about Trump. Uh, people were sort of saying that Trump actually has taken a real interest in space policy and lots of people the military and commercial etc etc have, have really sort of been crying out that there needs to be more space policy particularly when it comes to debris and and where you put these satellites because it's becoming so crowded up yeah. there that if you want if you want to go to Mars you've got to navigate through a, a whole swarm of broken satellites and, and bits and pieces up in space so actually people are saying Trump 
is, is that they've got high hopes that he actually might be one of these people that takes a real interest to, to sort of really nail down the space policy. Oh, well, there you go. That's, he might give yeah, uh, yes. might give the orbits a bit of a hoover. Yeah, exactly. There About we go. About time. So, yeah, so, that's cool. It's another success for the old Ariane 5. Yes. When it was the, well, in fact, it was the 89th flight of Ariane 5. 89th. Yeah. So uh, that's pretty pretty cool, isn't Matt, it? Is that the sixth um, in the ES configuration? That is only the sixth in the ES configuration. Thought um, so. Uh, um, but the ninth Ariane space. And people in this and people who listen to this podcast say that it's you who knows everything and not me. Huh? <laughs> Take that! Take that I did, to the I bank. <laughs> <laughs> well, in fact, can you tell the listeners what what have got? Is uh, how many? Um, Space launches of Ariane Space got left this year. Do you know? I would have thought another two. Yeah, yeah, two. Yes. Can you remember yes. what they are? Isn't there one in December, which is the Gok Turk? The Earth Observation Satellite? Yeah. And what are they going to put that up on? That's going to be the Vega rocket, isn't it? It's going to be the Vega rocket. Viva oh, la Vega on. rocket, I say. Viva la Vega. That's brilliant. Yes, you, you've done oh, that's well. That's three there. points, right? And the final launch that happened last night. I stayed up to watch it, Jamie. It was awesome. Yeah, Atlas Five. And what Atlas did we learn about Atlas Five last week? We learned that it has a hundred percent success record. A hundred percent success. And record. is it? Is it still? A, is it still? 100? And it's still a hundred percent success record. Yeah, Can you believe that. It's, it's it is ab- pretty amazing. It's absolutely isn't it? amazing. Uh, so this this one was the Goes R. Now the Goes mission is 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 uh, is weather satellites that have been going for quite a long time now. G O E S, next generation spacecraft in geostationary operational environmental satellites. That's what Goes stands for, and nice. uh, it's for weather observing. And this this one apparently this this new satellite is going to be a game changer for weather forecasting. Wow. So it it really is a very important uh, um, satellite, incredibly important. Um, but as we, uh, I didn't even get slightly stressed that, that it wasn't going to get into space because Atlas Five's record of being one hundred percent is just genius. Yeah, that is so. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's got a sixteen channel imager called the Advanced Baseline Imager. That's that's, that's what, this is what's making it um, uh, a, a big step up. Because it can scan five times faster with four times the spatial resolution of, of any of the other GOES satellites. Wow. And it can scan an entire hemisphere every five minutes. Whoa. Or as fast as every 30 sec- seconds in sub-regions where, the, where there's severe weather. So it, so it, it should be able to um, yeah, give you very, very good weather warnings and, and data that's just unprecedented. Well, after the storm last night, I think we need it. Exactly. So it, it's how awesome is that? That is brilliant. That really so, is brilliant. No, so I, I, just a quick one, because I learned a little bit about Atlas V. Here we go. From, from Scott Manley videos. Yeah. And um, he, was, he was actually looking at last week's Atlas V launch. Because it it had one solid rocket booster on it, yeah, making it the four one one configuration. Four 
meaning it had a four meter fairing, one meaning it had one rocket booster, and one meaning it has the the one solid uh, the the one core booster. Yes. Right, and uh, and he was saying, well, you know, why only one booster? Because what stops it from tipping over? And it's the fact that the uh, the main rocket has a gimbaled rocket, so it's able to sort of uh, keep it going straight up. Yeah. Now this one was the five four one, which means it had a five meter fairing uh, to carry this enormous satellite. It had right. four so- solid rocket boosters and only the one middle bit. So it was in that configuration. Now you'd think that they'd put the boosters round in a kind of even way, but they're not. They're asymmetric because the original core booster um, has got so many pipes and bits that you can't just stick them any old place. So you've got to sort of stick them where they'll go. <laughs> so yeah. they're, not, they're not quite symmetrical. No. Uh, and it looks amazing when this thing flies, particularly when they eject the, the four boosters because two go and then the two... The other two follow straight after. It looks nice. absolutely, nice. looks absolutely awesome. So uh, yeah, so that that that's really quite. It was really quite exciting. So th- that satellite goes twenty two thousand three hundred miles above the Earth. Whoa. Yeah, that's incredible. And it's got a year long commissioning phase. Right. Whoa. So it's a year to, a year really until we see see the benefit of this uh, weather satellite. Matt, when you say year, do you mean year? I do mean year. Even though that's, <laughs> to me, that sounds like you're you're being Australian. It's so oh, weird, it's weird, isn't it? <laughs> it's oh, just so you random. say potato. That is awesome. Well, as as always, Matt, if anyone wants to see uh, pictures and, and read up about any of this, where can they go? They can go to the Interplanetary Podcast website. That's interplanetary.org.uk. And uh, if they go to the Tumblr page from the link from there, yeah, uh, all the show notes will be there. Literally, tens of people are going to it, so yeah. <laughs> I think you need to. Jo- I think you need to join them. As as I pointed out earlier on, we now have thousands of listeners, Jamie. Oh, it's getting a bit scary, it's, isn't it? I know. It's, we, we now have the pressure of keeping this up. Uh, a, a quick one, just so uh, yeah. there's going to there's going to be a film about rocket flight that uh, the British Interplanetary Society West Midlands branch oh yes in Droitwich at the Gardener's Arms in Droitwich and that's on the 26th of November Uh, and as for everything always go to the British Interplanetary Society website to see what they're up to always absolutely always incredible incredible place incredible society incredible people yeah man and uh, on the 30th of November they have Aurora in search of the Northern Lights, and that will be at the British Interplanetary Home, Arthur C. Clarke House in Vauxhall. Matt, I don't know if I've mentioned it um, about when I went to Iceland a couple of months ago and I saw them. Yeah, well, I don't really, like I don't like to talk about it. No, I don't. I don't like you talking about it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that, that's that's the sentence that is true. Oh, incredible! Oh, yeah, so definitely yeah, get yourself down there. I'd, I'd definitely say book that one, and that's with Dr. Melanie Windridge. Oh, I love an, Melanie. Who's obviously, an expert. Well, of course, she is. Yeah. Well, she's a plasma physicist. Who a isn't? Lecturer and writer. What? Who isn't a plasma? Who isn't physicist? these days? <laughs> Thank you, guys. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Really enjoyed that one, um, and look forward to number eleven. Thank you very much for joining us for the Interplanetary Podcast, everyone. Uh, And we'll see you next week.